I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello. Welcome to this week's wonderful episode of the Weave Podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Yuka Bullard of Seed and Hand. Yuka is a Japanese-born cotton grower, spinner, and weaver of naturally colored brown and green cotton currently living and working in the southern United States. Yuka's gardening practice started over 10 years ago, and I'm excited to share our conversation about her fiber journey and how her cultural heritage has influenced her weaving and fiber practice. Hello, Yuka. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, hello, LaShawn. Thank you for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us about your background and how you found your way into the world of textiles? My name is Yuka Bullard. I'm a gardener and cotton spinner and a weaver. And I am from Okinawa, the southern island of Japan, uh, where rich in culture and history and beautiful nature and also a lot of beautiful textiles. And I moved here in States in 2010. So how did you begin working with fibers and farming? Okay, um, my grandma was a master weaver of Miyako Jofu when she was young. Uh, Miyako Jofu is uh, such a beautiful textile that made from hand-spun rami. And she always told me about that story about her weaving, how she prepared yarn and loom. And uh, she was so competitive, she said, and she learned small ika dye technique because it's so twice as much more than big ika um, design because it's more difficult and requires more skill to do, that, do so. But anyway, I was a florist, and it was my dream job from the kindergarten, and I opened a small shop when I was 26, and I did the good business of it, and I really enjoy what I did, and, but at uh, the same time, I have been interested in weaving because my grandma's story, but um, I really loved my job as a florist. So I always say that um, I will be a weaver in my next life. And, but one day I start thinking about the farmer that behind these flowers, cut, beautiful cut flowers I buy in the flower market. And thinking about like um, someone dig the soil and sow seeds and water them, took care of them for a long time before I buy it at the flower market. And I didn't know what their growing process looks like and how much love and passion and also energy, a lot of energy, these farmers pour into these flowers. And I felt like I just know only the surface of these flowers that I use every day. And I felt kind of guilty about it. And I start thinking like, yes, I start thinking like, Okay, so one day, um, I want to do something from the seed, you know. Um, I want to see and do something from start to finish. Because I'm always the kind of person that 
that want to do everything, you know, to see from beginning to the, you know, the end product. So that was, came up to my mind and I had my shop uh, about seven and a half years and I enjoyed the every minute of it. But um, when I think about starting something new in my life, all I can think about is my grandma's story, the weaving. So I started researching um, how I could start um, because it's just new for me. I only know my grandma's story, so okay, uh, how I can start it. And but you know, I met uh, so many wonderful people along the way to teach me and share their skills and knowledge. And one lady, uh, she was my actually my client in my flower shop, and she used to be a weaver, but I, she hasn't do it anymore. So she actually gave me her loom and spinning wheel and other equipment. Um, I didn't even know how to weave or nothing, but here's the loom sit there in my house already, you know, waiting for me. And wow. it was such a blessing, you know, because weaving equipment is not cheap at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a definitely a blessing for me. But um, also met, I met the two ladies that growing cotton in my area and as a hobby. But they teach, it, they teach um, how to spin the cotton. So I took that class a couple of times and really enjoyed it. And one day they gave me a few cotton seeds. Um, when I when I touched that cotton seeds, I feel like wow. So I guess this is it, you know. And I feel like I want to see where these little tiny seeds going to take me. So I started with a few seeds in a pot in my garden and I absolutely fell in love with it. Oh, they are such a gorgeous, beautiful plants and they are so amazing. And the Okinawa is a subtropical climate, so it's a perfect place to grow cotton. And they, did, they grow good. And a couple years later, I rent the space in community garden because I didn't have a big garden in my house. So um, I did that. I grew it in the uh, community garden for about two to three years. And when we moved to here in States in 2010, I grew, started growing in my backyard. And I enjoy watching them grow year after year and just never get tired of it. It's uh, pure joy to see where your materials are coming from. It's how I started. Wow, what a beautiful story and uh, <laughs> such a rich Thank history you. behind all of that. Can you talk more about the cotton that you're growing? I know that you grow naturally colored brown and naturally colored green cotton. Yes, uh-huh. Um, I got the green and brown seeds from Southern Exposure Seed Exchange this year. 
Well, I normally grow every year and keep seeds for next season. But uh, I had to buy it this year because I was back in Japan during the sowing season last couple of years, so didn't have a chance to grow. So I purchased them, uh, those green, uh, green seeds and brown seeds this year. And um, I have about 15 each plants in my backyard. So it's not a uh, big, you know, I, I don't have a big backyard but but it's just fun to see the uh, you know their how they grow and I also grow a few variety of Miss Sally's cotton um, Miss Sally Fox I know a lot of people about her and she is a pioneer of the co uh, natural colored cotton and she is my hero and I admire her work so much but uh, uh, I started her seed this summer, but it's kind of, you know, late in the season, but it's in the pot and still small, but uh, it's growing good. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that is super exciting. Yeah. And I know that um, sometimes it's difficult to hand spin. Do you hand spin directly from the seed when you're spinning the cotton? Uh, no, I um, I do I gin, uh, gin cotton. Take the seed, mm. uh, separate the seed and from the fiber, and then I hand cart it and then make a puni. It's like a sliver kind of thing, and then mm, spin into okay. yarn. Uh huh. Wow, and your weavings are so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Can you kind of talk about what type of weaving you do? And I, I love how you incorporate um, the, the natural colors of everything. Oh, thank uh, you. Like, mm -hmm. Are you weaving on a floor loom or a frame loom? Oh, I use a floor loom, a Japanese floor loom that I brought it with me in here. Um, yes, um, I use that all the um, cotton yarn I use is my hand spun because I just love spinning. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know it takes a long time and it's such a slow process, but it just, um, I just love spinning. So I decided I'm gonna uh, use all my hand spun cotton in my work because I just wanna share the beauty of cotton and Cotton is such a popular fiber in our lives, but mm -hmm. people don't know how they grow, and a lot of people don't even know they grow in colors. So, so I just use white and brown and green cotton, and also use indigo to get different shades of blue, because blue is my favorite color. So that's my color palette, and that's it just the four colors but each color has a different shade because it's you would you say you you say white but it's not only one color you know it's more white has a different shade and brown also has a different shade so it's mix and match you know different shades of color it's it's you know it's just beautiful and i did try other natural dye to get the different colors 
But uh, I always come back to this earthly, natural colors of cotton because I just love it. And to me, these colors are the best. The cotton, the natural colored cotton is the best. This amazing plant produced that, you know, this beautiful natural colors. So I feel like I don't have to dye it. I don't have to chase other colors because this is my color. So when I look at it, I feel like I have enough colors already these, with these four colors. So I just want to highlight and share the beauty of natural colors of cotton through my work. That's my goal. Mm. It's almost like you're just allowing the materials to live as yes. exist as themselves, to kind of like speak for themselves. Yes. I just help a little bit, you know, that's not, <laughs> yes, just like you say, the, the material itself, that fiber itself is perfect for me, the beautiful for me. So I'm just use my hands to just help beautiful, this beautiful fiber to transform to the yarn and tra transform to the textile that I feel like that's my job. So I don't do a difficult pattern. I just do um, just a simple tabby, just layer one um, thread at the time to just make the, you know, the color of cotton, the beauty of the fiber shine through my work. Yeah. And you also mentioned indigo. Do you grow indigo or any other plants in your garden aside from naturally colored cotton? Uh, yes, uh, I love indigo, and this year I did that Japanese indigo. Um, it's uh, see, it's seeding right now, um, but uh, I try. <laughs> I'm still learning. Um, in Okinawa, it's uh, they grow the the Ryukyu indigo which is Strabulanthus kushia. Did I say right? <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, the, the Ryukyu indigo, it's a native in Okinawa. So I'm familiar with those, those type of indigo. And, and also the other parts of the Okinawa, they grow indigo ferra safruticosa. I think that's oh, really? what you, yeah, I think that's what you grow, right? Yeah, it is actually. Yes. Uh-huh. So that uh type of the indigo it grow in Ishigaki Island and different different island in Okinawa. It's this because that's more like a tropical weather. But uh, anyway, um I'm still that about the indigo, I'm still uh learning how to grow um how to process the indigo. I have so much to learn about. And the, in Okinawa, they um, still have the place that make the indigo and as a, like a paste indigo, and they sell those for these weaver and um, other people to um, use. Um, so I bought, when I was in Okinawa, I bought those paste indigo and dye the indigo. But when we, when I moved here, um, like, just like cotton, I'm still, um, trying to learn how to grow indigo and 
which type is good in here where I live and um, trying to learn how to process the indigo so it's still working <laughs> progress and you you mentioned you've mentioned Okinawa a few times can you kind mm -hmm. of talk about Okinawan textiles yes um, Okinawa is a small island it's about 70 miles long and seven miles wide it's such a small island but they have a variety of textiles that influenced by uh, China and Southeast Asia and also mainland Japan um, it's the famous one it's so much different type of textile mainly uh, kimono um, the famous one is bashof called bashofu it's made from a banana fiber they cultivate the banana tree and take the fiber out of the banana tree and make uh, make the thread and weaving into the beautiful kimono and they also we also have the different type of ikat design and also a bingata called a call it's also a it's a the bingata has a different beautiful colors and designs and um and also uh there's abundance of native plants that we use for the natural dye such as i talk about a little bit of indigo and also um the shell ginger uh produced the salmon pink kind of color and Yes, uh, and you also use the sugar cane, which produce light green and yellow. So it's um, it's such abundant of beauty of textile. It's amazed me that uh, how um, in this small island has different variety of the all these textile. It's just really amazing. It is amazing. And the way that you talk about and describe Okinawa, I mean, it sounds so beautiful. I'm sure all of our <laughs> listeners are really enjoying hearing you sort of vividly describe, you know, the setting. I just want to say that I am so blessed to uh, grow up, raise, born and raised in that beautiful island. Because, you know, how you grow up, that how you surround it. Uh, by the nature and those beautiful things it shape your shape you you know so I am so blessed to grow that such a beautiful island and when you were in Okinawa did you study in school uh, about the weaving yes yes uh, actually when I still have the flower shop I took the course in Tokyo that um, beginners weaver, weavers class in Tokyo so that was a one week course and um, also after I closed my flower shop I took the uh, I study at the uh, University of the Ryukyu's uh, 
uh, they have the space for the um, like open for the public, just like a community college part of kind of thing. And they have the uh, weaving and spinning in Okinawa. You know that all the different type of to learn the, the all the different type of Okinawan textile. So I learned there for about mm, eight nine months. So, but uh, uh, I learned more about weaving from my mistake, <laughs> and you know that's the best way to learn. <laughs> if you if you're in the, you're in the uh, class, but it just you know when you start doing my, your own, you learn a lot. You know, so that's how I learn the most. Yeah, you definitely learn a lot more when you kind of just get in there and start right. weaving and making mistakes. And sometimes yes. the mistakes that you make turn into like beautiful mistakes, you know? Yes. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> yeah. Especially it's like, you know, there have definitely been times where I'm like, oh, that's weird, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... Um, can you talk about maybe some of the challenges, if any, with being a gardener and like working from, you know, seed to, to fabric or fiber? Okay. Um, I live in, um, Southern Mississippi, right by the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, so it's definitely a great place to grow cotton. So... Uh, cotton is really strong plant, so if it's the the weather is right, environment is right, they grow, you know. But um, but I can feel the weather's kind of change in the extreme side. Um, for example, I got seeds from Miss Sally a few years ago, and I was just so excited. But that year, oh my gosh, that year it rained the whole summer it grew it grew but it didn't flower it flowered but it all fell in the ground and I was just so disappointed but that that whole that summer was not good for the cotton and also that um this year was just too hot <laughs> it was just so hot and it was mid 90 high 90 every day and so, yeah, it's, I can feel that the weather is really kind of changing. And so that's uh, one of the challenge. But um, that also uh, from the fiber to, to the thread, to the textile, it just take a long time. Um, I've been... <laughs> I've been collecting collecting my fiber for like long time. I've been growing cotton like about over ten years. So just a little by little, I collect my fiber, set aside, and you know, trying to take the seed out. And you know, it's a long process. But um, I bought the gin and the small gin with my other friends that who does the cotton so it definitely you know if fast uh, it, 
the the process get so faster because it uh, take the seed out to the from the cotton and the to make it to the form that the, the you can spin that takes a while too so um so, so you have like a small mm -hmm. gin, like a, a gin machine, yes. like a, a miniature yes. size one? Oh, cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is just so cool. Uh, me and other, like I said, me and other two ladies in the guild, uh, we, we bought together and I... I was just so amazed how fast that, you know, that it, how fast it was because I have a whole bunch of cotton sitting there in my studio. It only took, took about hour to gin all the cotton. Wow. So before <laughs> that you were carding the cotton? Yes. Uh, uh, well, no, the gin, uh, before the gin, I take the by, seeds by hand, one by one. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, wow. <laughs> and, and then and then you know and then card it, the hand card it, and make the puni out of the fiber. Then spinning. Wow, interesting. Well, I mean, it's exciting that you have a, a gin. I've seen them online, and I uh -huh. did have like an idea like oh maybe one day I'll build one but oh yeah I have a uh the 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 small one the the hand one it's like a roll and you just put the between the roll of the, the two wood between the two rolls and then you just crank it in by your hand <laughs> but it it takes a long time too yeah I would uh -huh. imagine yes and do you have any new project or future prospects that you're working on? Uh, yes, um, right now I'm working with the lady who started the tea business in this area and I wove the tea towels for her. And I also, my, my friends, my best friends is a potter and we're talking about doing something together in the near future. So, um, I would like to collaborate with the different artists and the different businesses. Um, yeah, it's really exciting um, to see that different um, idea come from the different artists and the different business. So it's exciting. That sounds awesome. And where on social media can people find your work and potentially support some of um, your pieces? Uh, I have an Instagram account. Uh, and my website is seed-hand.com. And before you go, we have one question that we ask everyone that joins the podcast. And that mm -hmm. is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Uh, I would say know your materials. Uh, whatever you use for your weaving or knitting or whatever uh, you do, learn how they grow and know where they come from and know the process of the plants to fiber or like animal to fiber, fiber to yarn, and so that you will have a more deeper understanding and deeper connection with your materials. 
So, and that will make a lot of differences that, that what you're creating. You will have more uh, love into it and more connection into it. And the people will feel it and the people will see it. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing so much about your history and your practice. I'm pretty sure you're going to inspire a lot of people listening to this to to work, you know, more closely to the materials that they're using. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. Of course. My pleasure. That's a wrap. If you're interested in finding out more about Yuka's work, you can find links to her website in the show notes at www.justyarn.com slash episode 86. Next week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Mariela Motilla, a Mexican-born artist who studied at the School of Art Institute of Chicago, where she found herself circling back to her ancestral roots of textile making in Oaxaca, Mexico, where she now lives and works. So stay tuned next week for that very interesting episode. And until next time, happy weaving.